of God the Father and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Good morning. Um, forgive me if I have to pause in a minute to blow my nose. Um, it's, it's the oddest thing about allergies. Um, I was back in the mud and the flood of North Carolina and did not so much as sniffle the entire time. I was in shelters where they were crowded with people who were coughing and hacking, and I did so, not so much as sniffle. I drive back into Isla Vista, and I have not stopped since I got there. Go figure. But it is good to be home for all of the sniffles. I, I love being back in the land of sniffles. It's good. We've uh, got a lot in the news these days. And in the news, most times, um, it's, it's not the kind of thing that brings peace to your heart, that brings encouragement to you, that brings hope of change, that brings a sense of wonder and awe at how beautiful things are out there in the world. Especially in the news today about the Holy Land, it seems that it's a place of hopeless chaos and tragic violence. It seems that Every time we turn there, there's a sense of, of great sadness. And down through history, it has always been that way. Canaanite, Philistine, Hebrew, Roman, Arab, Turk, Crusader, and now ISIS, and the coalition forces arrayed against them. All of them have fought there and bled there on ground that is supposed to be holy land. Yet in the midst of all, this holy land is a place of miracle and wonder. And that is why it is such a wonderful encouragement when we come here and we hear of the holy land and we know that we have come to the holy land and that we walk on the ground of the holy land here in this place. This is the ground that the incarnate Son of God has walked on. And for those of you who have been there, you know how moving that place is in spite of all the contradictions, in spite of all the threat of terror that is there, there is that sense of miracle and wonder that this is where Jesus walked. And what he touched we have seen this countless times in the gospel. What he touched, and whoever in faith touches him, that one is healed. Whoever touches him, and whoever in faith is touched by him, that one is healed. So in the gospel this morning, on the shores of Galilee, we find not war, we find not sadness, but we find miracle, we find wonder, for the kingdom of God is there among them. And the kingdom of God is here among us, on this holy land, on this holy ground to which we have come. Miracle and wonder is here, not the tragedy and the fear of war and all the chaos that is there in our land right now. At Capernaum, the crowd had gathered to welcome Jesus, and there was an exultation of hope in the air, 
as if there were birds, doves, flying through the air, an exaltation of larks and doves and all matter of creation. As the disciples' boat touched the shore, the wonderful stories began to spread. Do we spread wonderful stories in this house? True stories. We tell and retell each Sunday in the gospel wonderful stories in a place that others may see as chaos. We see as miracle and wonder. They heard stories of a storm that was calmed by a word and of that madman across the shores in the lake of Gadara, near the lake uh, by Gadara, who at the word of the one who had calmed the storm, that, that madman now sat clothed and in his right mind. Can it be that he may heal the madman among us? Can it be that he may heal the madness within me? And so every household of the region came there with an expectation of hope about what this might mean. Do we come here today with an expectation of hope about what all of this might mean for our houses? If he calms the storms, if he calms madmen with a word, can it be that he might heal me of my infirmity as I come here? Can it be that he might heal my household? Can it be that he might heal my child? Sickness has touched us all, both high and low. Sickness out there in the world touches us all, high and low, without any respect, without any compassion, without any blame. It just seems to come in the door and touch us. In the fine house of one of the rulers of the synagogue, his only daughter was near death. In spite of the best care of the best doctors, and he didn't even have to submit it to an HMO. He just got the best ones. And nearby, in a meager cottage, more like most of ours, a lonely woman cared the best she could for herself. She had been suffering 12 years with a hemorrhage, something she got no relief from, she got no comfort for, she cared for herself best she could. And they all heard of the Messiah who had come, and they left their houses, and they got there on time, even when they didn't have a whole hour extra to get there. They still got there on time to see him. They met him when he came to the church. They met him when he came to the synagogue. They came with the measure of whatever faith they had, whatever faith they'd been given. And each of them would find that faith answered and made more perfect because they got up from their doubt and they moved toward Jesus. That's why faith gets made perfect, when we get up from our doubt and we move toward Jesus when we don't sit there in our cottage, in our doubt, and stay there, when we get up from our doubt and move toward where Jesus is. If ever there was a reason for coming to this church, 
regularly, it is to get up from your cottage of doubt and move toward your healing, because this is where it is. Perhaps that synagogue ruler was one of those who had interceded some four, some months before for the Roman centurion whose servant Jesus had healed at Capernaum, for it was the powerful synagogue leaders that came to him. Now this synagogue ruler's name is Jairus, or Jair, and translated, you know what it means? It means he will give light. He who will give light had come to the one who gives light. Though he was of great substance, he humbled himself and he came and fell at Jesus' feet to intercede for his child, the child who was the light of his life. Do we fall at the feet of Jesus to intercede for our children, the ones who we see as light not just the continuity of the species and the perpetuation of our, of our personal legacies and the ones that bring us great glory on the athletic field. You know, the, the, those who are the light of our life, do we intercede for them in this way before Jesus? But as the master moves to heal, as he moves through the push of the crowds, most of the crowd doesn't dare to speak their petitions. But there seems to be kind of a common intuition among them that even his touch, or perhaps just the passing of his shadow of this one, will have the power to heal. It seems to them as if Jehovah had become man and come to Capernaum. Does it seem to us as if Jehovah has become man and come to Santa Barbara, to Goleta, to Isla Vista, for he has. He has become man and he has come to our place. He has come to our town too. And even with those whose faith is infirm, they are made bold. Some of them are even carried there. One of them later is even let down through a roof and the meekest of them push forward. Even the poor woman, weak from great loss of blood, summoned up all the strength of her will and reached to touch the fringe of his garment, to touch the very hem of his garment. Now, some of you might dismiss that as an act of superstition. Some of those in the world might dismiss the touching of a holy thing as an act of superstition. But those of us who have touched the icons in moments of great sadness, those of us who have been anointed with oil, those of us who have come forward and venerated a relic, have known the power that is there in the touch of those holy things. Let us not be ashamed to come forward and touch the holy things. The Lord perceived the mustard seed of her faith. The disciples said, what do you mean somebody touched you? I always love that. You know, he's in a crowd getting jostled all around, and, so, and he says, someone just touched me. You know, and he's probably been slammed, and people have, you know, climbed all over him. But he says, someone touched me. He accepted that touch 
of himself, and he passed it back. He accepted that touch that the person made, and he returned it perfect. The Lord accepts your touch of the holy things, even if they're done with, with Im, in, uh, not complete, imperfect faith. He accepts that touch that you make, and he makes it perfect. And he says to her, daughter, be of good cheer, for your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So the master was delayed a little bit for a good reason. He was you know, late for an honorable reason to his next appointment. When he reached the home of Jairus, it was too late to save the little girl or so it seemed. The mourners had already begun to gather, but the Lord ordered them out. He said, it's not time for that just yet. He says she is only sleeping, and everyone mocks him. They laugh at him. Do we sometimes laugh at the Lord when he has told us he was going to heal us, when he has told us he was going to save us? Do we sometimes laugh at him? Do we sometimes doubt him? The Lord orders those doubts out. He says she is only sleeping. Yet even the family and the disciples themselves seem to have no hope. Healing the sick, calming a storm, but raising the dead. We want to believe that, but yet we strain toward it. He takes the, the departed child by the hand and he says, Gentle authority of a great king, Talietha, cum, little maiden, arise. Arise, little maiden. Arise, little boy. Arise, young man. Arise, young woman. He touches all of us and he lifts us all up. As man, his strong and calloused carpenter's hand touched her. But as very God of very God, he is bringing forth life where there was no life. There was no life there. But yet the one who created life in the first moment again recreates life, again brings resurrection. God and man, very God of very God, very man of very man, acted in, in that one moment. There was no discontinuity between their two natures. You want to understand the two natures in Christ, look at a moment like that and you will see them acting. For a man himself could not do that unless God was with him and unless he was God. The same one who said, let there be light, says, arise, to the girl child of a man whose name means he will give light. He says, arise. And in that moment, like creation itself, the light of light came back into her eyes. And what does the Lord do in that moment? Ever compassionate, for he is ever So very practical, so very human, he says, bring her something to eat. 
And though the Lord had ordered the unbelieving world intimate in that moment, to be there, to see the very details of it, to be in that place of miracle and wonder. Though he has kept the world from this place, he has invited you here. And here you are looking at this miracle, looking at this wonder. What do we do with what we see? What do we do? Do we just remark about it and say, oh, that's very nice? Or do we wait for the next thing to come along and be uh, 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 puttering around in our minds about the election or about what, what we haven't done this afternoon that we've got to get done? Or do we catch the miracle that's right there in front of us? Do we press forward in faith? When you come forward, forward from where you are seated, when you come forward, do you press forward? Like the crowd, do you press forward to touch the hem of Christ's garment? For that is what you're headed toward. You are headed to nothing less than Christ himself when you walk down that aisle toward this place. You are headed toward nothing less than touching Jesus. Do you see it? Our nation seems right now ripped apart into factions and driven between uncertainties. It needs the touch of Christ. Do we touch Christ here? Do we take that touch from here? When we have partaken here of everything that we need, when we have been given the very medicine of immortality for the healing of all of our infirmities, we are directed to go forth in peace, not just to feel peaceful, not just to have been chilling for an hour and a half or whatever time it takes to come to the liturgy, not just here all calm and peaceful and then we go forth to the craziness. We come forth here to receive peace, to take it forward. And as we have been touched here by the hand of God, we dare not keep our hands in our pockets. He has touched us we must touch with that touch. We dare not keep our hands in our pockets. Okay. How do we extend the hand of the incarnation? You know, because that's really what this is about. Our incarnate Savior has come and touched us. Do we go forth in the similitude of his incarnation to carry that touch into the world or do we just leave it here when we depart here? Think about that for a moment. Do we take it with us or do we just leave it here? The act of kindness brought healing to us. Do we act kindly in the world? Like the people of Capernaum who left their houses to meet the Lord, we must move from the comfortable space that we have been in if we have been healed, to extend that healing to others. How can we pray for peace in Palestine and Syria if we have not yet reconciled with our own neighbors and even more with our own family members? Miracles of healing, and yes, 
perhaps even resurrection can happen if we reach out for them. May the Lord himself be with us and may healing go forth from this place where we have been healed to the glory of God the Father.